0: Welcome to the Tango Juliet Foxtrot podcast. The podcast all about the good, the bad and the ugly of British policing. If you're interested in how policing works and you want to hear some incredible people talking about what they did in their policing careers, then this is definitely the podcast for you. Sometimes we cover some pretty gory or distressing subjects and there may be a bit of swearing from time to time so probably best to keep the kids out of earshot. Right, here we go. Hello folks, welcome to episode 84 of the Tango Juliet Fox Shop podcast. Uh, Ian here, I hope you're all well. I've decided I'm gonna take a bit of a break from the podcast for a longer break. I'm not gonna lie, Um, it's been quite a difficult time and uh, work-wise things have been really, really tricky. Um, I'm not gonna go into all of the details because it wouldn't be fair to other people involved, but I uh, have been involved in a tech startup for quite some time, uh, over two years, and um, I decided to step away from it a couple of weeks ago for reasons that, uh, are not appropriate to discuss on the podcast. So, um, so yeah, so I need to prioritize my, uh, working life and get back in the saddle again in terms of working for others rather than myself. Whilst I've learned absolutely tons and tons from doing stuff with a startup. Uh, in areas of business that I had no understanding of whatsoever before but I have a great deal of understanding now. Um, It is a very very precarious life working in startup world and uh, I have decided with a heavy heart that it's time to step away from that particular project and get back to doing um, stuff which I suppose is more akin to what I was doing before. So that's sort of advisory consultancy work, uh, working for others rather than for myself. So um, shamelessly plug myself. If you're listening to this and you think I might be able to help with what you're doing, please get in touch. My email address is ian, I-A-I-N, at I-K, India Kilo, hyphen insights, ikinsights.com. I'd be very happy to have a chat and see if I can help you in any way. Um, So I'm not going to say I'm going to stop doing the podcast, but I am going to pause it for probably some considerable time. Uh, There are other sort of police related things which I'm uh, going to be involved in. Um, Can't say too much, but uh, something uh, in respect of TV production which uh, I'm really excited about and interested in. And uh, yeah, so watch the space on that one, I suppose. Um, but before I do kind of hang up my headset for uh, probably some months realistically, I just thought I'd talk about some of the things that have been going on recently, which I, um, you know, been giving some thought to. Uh, it's really interesting how uh, the media still wants to talk to me about stuff uh, they still see me. Certain parts of the media still see me as, as the sort of uh, voice of some authority, I suppose, on all things policing. But if I'm being completely honest, I've got no desire to speak to certain, particularly the news media. I've got no, I've got no problem with speaking to people who work in the media generally. So, for example, the project that I alluded to, uh, which is more of a documentary, TV documentary. I'm really interested in that kind of stuff. But I've got no desire really to speak to news reporters. So, for example, uh, yesterday I was contacted by the BBC to come on to BBC Newsnight and speak to Kirsty Walk um, around the uh, initial findings of the the inquiry, the public inquiry into undercover policing. So, as you may be aware, uh, Sir John Mitting submitted his sort of interim report into the findings of the public inquiry uh, which deal with a period of time between I believe 1968 and I think 1982 and it was incredibly sort of um difficult reading I think for policing um and I was asked to come on to BBC Newsnight to talk about a talk about that and I just thought no I'm not doing it because it's an incredibly for, for a number of reasons it's an incredibly um, toxic subject. Um, I, I was never an undercover officer myself, so I'm not convinced that I, you know, uh, I'm a particular authority on that. Albeit, I know a lot of undercover officers, ex undercover officers, and and I don't actually think. I think the main reason why I don't go on TV uh, or the radio anymore to talk about this stuff is because I don't actually think people are interested in what the police have to say about anything. At the moment, I think everyone in the media is out to do a hatchet job on policing and um and you know we've talked about that a lot in the past and um and and i suppose part of the reason why i'm going to pause the podcast uh is that uh it does feel sometimes when we're dealing with these sub this subject that it's a little bit of a broken record and and i and i'm sort of slightly um I don't want to, I just don't want to be a constant sort of um, broken record talking about some of those issues. Um, Yeah, I just think I'm not sure it's particularly good for mine or others (laughs) mental health to be constantly dwelling on those issues. Um, Yeah, so uh, a couple of other bits and bobs, Uh, really interesting report by Uh, Andy Cook, the Chief Inspector of uh, Constabulary. Uh, Last month, I believe, let me see, what's the date of it? Yeah, 9th of June, it came out. Uh, State of policing, annual assessment of policing in England, Wales, 2022. And it was really brutal. It painted a really brutal picture of just how broken policing is. Look, I'm doing it again, aren't I? I've just said that I don't want to be dwelling on all this negativity, but it's very, very hard to talk about policing in the UK at the moment without um, focusing on really quite a negative picture. And it couldn't have been more brutal the way that he described policing at the moment. Um, and he says things that like, the police aren't always focusing on the issues that matter most to the public, and charge rates are far too low. I'll well, no shit Sherlock. Uh, the police and the wider criminal justice service aren't getting the basics right as shown through the withdrawal from neighborhood policing Um, and some critical elements of the police's leadership and workforce arrangements need substantial reform Um, but he goes on to say uh, the service isn't broken beyond repair undeniably these failings will be extremely challenging to resolve but they won't be fixed by issuing glossy strategies Mission statements, visions, concordats, or the like—they will be fixed through action. Yeah, so um, lots of really interesting stuff in his uh, report, which basically described a a um, plunging levels of, of offences brought to justice and plunging levels of public satisfaction in policing, um, and. Uh, it's quite interesting that the College of policing have come out i um, i'm not I'm not a massive fan of the College of policing. I think there's some great people who work i I did a year working for the College of policing in a project on child sexual exploitation. I really enjoyed it, and there's some great people working for the College of policing, but some of the things they come out with i just I just do wonder really sometimes so they've they've kind of pulled together this leadership training. They've, 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 they've determined that every police officer at every rank in the organisation will receive leadership training from the most junior inexperienced PC right up to chief officer level. I think it's going to be five different levels of it. And my heart kind of sank when I saw that. I just thought, God, you know, what's this leadership training for PCs going to be like? It's going to be another NCALP package, isn't it? It's going to be an online offer that that sort of cynical world-weary PCs will click their way through at speed on night duty. Um, it's not going to be face-to-face. I very much doubt it because it would just be far too de- difficult to deliver. And, and do PCs need leadership training, really? Um, I think if you were to focus on sergeants and inspectors, 100% all day long, sergeants and inspectors need very good quality leadership training, which is delivered face to face over a long period of time. We're talking probably six to 12 months, um, either either one to one or uh, one to a few small groups of uh, sergeants and inspectors, particularly those who are newly promoted, looking at a sort of a reflective practice kind of thing with some meaningful homework to do in between sessions to demonstrate that they are uh, you know improving the quality of leadership at the front end of policing uh yeah so uh watch that one with interest um and and the other thing i'm just going to touch on is that on the 9th of june so the ninth of june let me see where was it uh no this actually it was only last week The Police Federation has voted to ballot members on whether the organisation should pursue industrial rights on behalf of the membership Um, and that they're exploring what industrial rights might actually mean for police officers. I I think this is long, long overdue now. I think sadly, uh, the people at the top of policing have completely, completely failed to represent the best interests of the rank and file of policing. Uh, they allowed all of those terrible cuts under austerity to go unchallenged, didn't push back in any way whatsoever uh, and simultaneously overburdened the, the workforce with ridiculous, uh, unsustainable amount of demand, uh, to push back of demand, failed to push back against unreasonable demand, failed to push back against um the government so the police federation i think um haven't exactly covered themselves in glory a lot of a lot of talk over the last sort of 10 years or so with very little action um you know the the reality is that um the police service by statute um cannot strike and it's actually a criminal offense for anyone to encourage police officers to withhold their labor. So they're kind of uh, a bit stuffed, I would suggest, in terms of um, the options available to police officers now. So I shall watch that one with great interest. Um, But without any shadow of a doubt, um, policing has been treated appallingly badly uh, since 2010 and there is no sign whatsoever as far as i can see of things improving certainly a lot of the talk of people i speak to uh not just in policing but at uh you know within business within within industry is talking about um austerity uh mark two for policing so so yeah anyway Having said that, I wasn't going to focus on lots of negativity. It feels rather like I've just focused on lots of negativity. But as I said, it's difficult to talk about UK policing at the moment in a in a in a uh, sort of an upbeat way. Uh, Terrible pay, desperately uh, unsustainable levels of demand, very low morale, plunging levels of public satisfaction and uh, a leadership with the notable exception of a few chief constables who seem to be coming out swinging. Uh, so people like Stephen Watson from Greater Manchester. Um, and, uh, you know, I've got to say, um, Sir Mark Riley as well is doing a great job in terms of um, supporting uh, the, the, the overwhelming number of officers who are trying to do a good job against all the odds. Um, but I, I do think we've got a Uh, a a lot of work to do and trying to improve the the quality of the the leadership of policing and it isn't going to be achieved by uh, an online learning package so right listen I wish you all the very best of luck Uh, I think about the officers out there day in and day out doing what they're doing uh, all of the time I really take my hat off to you keep your head up and uh, yeah just remember what it is to be a police officer in the UK. Uh, policing without fear of favour, taking on the bad people, and try and ignore the bullshit. See you later. Once we had a policeman, he was often in our street. We used to smile and wave at him while walking on his beat But now we never see him, it really makes us run.